Today is the yard side of my father of blessed memory. And the minhag is to learn a peik mishnayis, uh, particularly the seventh peric of mikvois. It's a tradition going back to Rebbe of Ruzhin and other great people that this peric mishnayis is particularly um, uh, fitting for that particular occasion for a yard site. So the Rebbe in a very well-known Sicha speaks about the chapter of Mikvois and what its relationship is to a yard site, and in particular the last Mishnah. The last Mishnah that we recite at a yard site at the end of every tefillah, every prayer, and um, we say Kaddish after that. So there's a Mishnah there, and the Rebbe interprets this Mishnah uh, to explain how this Mishnah relates to the legacy of a deceased person, and it summarizes, in a way, the entire purpose of why Anishama comes into the physical world and then ascends back to the heavens. The last Mishnah is speaking about... Now the, the, the second half of the last Mishnah, the very last halacha in that Mishnah, which is the end of the parak, talks about a needle, a needle that has become unclean. In time of the temple, everything had to be ritually clean because people came in contact uh, with uh, holy uh, objects like uh, food, korbanis, kohanim had to eat truma. And a Jew wanted to go to the temple to bring a sacrifice. If you were ritually unclean, you couldn't do all these things. So everything a person owned had to be kept in a very pure and uh, clean state, spiritually clean state. So if you didn't, if something came in contact with something unclean, according to Torah, uh, you had to bring it to the mikveh. Now the question was, if somebody had a needle, a needle is a small object, you take it to the mikveh, you drop it into the water, go find it. So the Mishnah tells us what to do with a needle, a tiny thin object like a needle, how do you purify it in a mikveh? So the Mishnah says, if you have a needle and you place it on a step of the cave, in the, in the ancient times, mikvehs were a natural cave in the ground, deep in the ground, and water would gather from the rain inside. That was a kosher mikveh. So you put the needle on a step that's above water level, and then, then the person moves and swishes the water back and forth, brings it forth and back, until it forms a wave, and then when the wave covers the step where the needle is on, and which the needle is on, it will purify the needle. As soon as the wave moves the, over the needle, it, it becomes pure. So what the mission is trying to tell us that although a wave is only a small amount of water, and we know for a mikveh uh, to be to have the power of purification it has to have a critical amount of 40 sa'a, these are measurements of, of, of water, and a wave is not, it's just a wave. It's just a little bit of water covering the 
the step with the needle which the needle is on. But nevertheless, because the wave is connected to the rest of the mikveh, it doesn't disconnect, it's just attached to the mikveh, it just moves up and covers the step. It's considered as if the needle is in the in the mikveh itself and, and it's purified. And in that way, it uh, makes it uh, possible to, to purify a needle, even a needle, without having to drop it in the mikveh and then losing it. So the Rebbe explains what is the meaning of this last halacha in this Mishnah. And the Rebbe says a machat, a needle, is a neshama. A neshama is compared to a needle. If you look at the function of a needle, a needle has a sharp point, which is designed to penetrate a piece of garment. A needle is designed to mend two pieces of garment. And the way the needle accomplishes this is by penetrating one piece of garment and then penetrating the other piece of garment. And a thread is run through the hole of the opposite end of the needle. So when the bold, uh, the sharp point of the needle penetrates the garment, it drags the thread along the way in, a, in the back. And, and that's how you thread the two pieces of garment together, mending them into one piece. So the neshama is designed to mend two opposite worlds, two separate worlds, heaven and earth. A soul and a body in and of themselves are already a constitute a mending of two worlds. But moreover, they, the neshama is designed to bring a, a synthesis between heaven and earth, and in that way it's compared to a needle. And just like a needle needs to have a sharp uh, point at the very end in order to penetrate the garment, same thing, in order to bring a union between the two worlds, heaven and earth, the spiritual and the physical, uh, first the neshama has to penetrate the fabric of the physical world. And to do so, it has to create a hole. It has to penetrate the garment. When a needle penetrates a garment, it creates a little bit of a vacuum to allow uh, the needle to go through. That's symbolic of a neshama creating a dent, a vacuum within the materialistic and coarse nature of the world in order to allow Kedusha, holiness, to penetrate that world. And in order for the neshama to be successful at this, it has to have a sharp point. Sharp point indicates boldness, fearlessness. A Jew should not be intimidated by the, this large world around us that seems to uh, represent a completely different world of values. Um, but the neshama has to know that this is its mission, that the creator of heaven and earth, including the coarseness of the earth, has sent this neshama to change that, to change the status and create a, a vacuum within the world by being bold having a sharp point and just penetrating it and not to be afraid, but to bring Kedusha into the world. And now the thread in the other end is symbolic of the mitzvahs. As the Zohar says that the mitzvahs are called Chute Yakiri Kedusha, the precious holy thread of mitzvahs that threads together the world of God and the material world here down below. 
So that's what the needle is, machat. Now, the needle, the Mishnah tells us, is placed on the step of a cave. The metaphor of a cave is, as we said before, it's a hole in the ground, deep beneath the surface. And that's a metaphor for the Neshama's descent from the loftiest realms in the heavens down into the lowliest places here on earth. And it is placed on a step. That means a Jew has to know that he uh, he or she uh, shouldn't uh, just indulge uh, and immerse themselves into the materialistic uh, preoccupations of the world, but to stay a step above. You know, we live in the world, we live on earth, we live our souls inside a body, but to stay a step above, not to allow ourselves to be overwhelmed by the by the wild, savage waters of the materialistic world. So that's the neshama coming down on a step, Maila. Maila means above, Aliyah, right? To, to, to stay a little bit above, but yet coming down into the cave. And now the Mishnah describes how this descent into the lowly world, this cave, actually serves as a mikveh to purify the neshama. And it helps the Shama ascend and rise exponentially higher than it ever was before it came down. We'll see in a moment. So the Mishnah continues. Here the Mishnah describes what exactly is the Neshama to do here on earth. What, what, what is its purpose? So the Mishnah describes this in these very few words. It moves the water forward and back. What's water? Water we know, Maim in Maim el Maim is wisdom, Teirem, Maim is purity. Meilich and Mevi. These are two motions. One is moving forward and one is retreating, coming back. This is a perfect description of what is explained in Kabbalah and Hasidis that the entire relationship of an Eshama with Hashem. Is consists of these two motions, rotzay and shuv. There's a constant state, the neshama is in a constant state of yearning to be subsumed by Hashem and break free of the constraints and confinement of the body and wanting to be one with Hashem Himself. And that's called rotzay, the rush that the neshama feels, the, the, the anxious desire and yearning to be subsumed within Hashem's infinite presence. And then there is Mevi. The Neshama also understood, in other words, this motion of Ratzah is followed by an understanding and realization that Hashem wants the Neshama to be here and not to rush upwards towards Hashem and be completely subsumed by Hashem, but to stay uh, as a distinctive being from Hashem here in the world and serve as a candle, a light that brings Hashem's light into a dark world. And that's called maybe bringing back, retreating. So there's a constant fluctuation of moving forwards towards Hashem and then retreating, realizing I have a mission to accomplish here on earth and I have to throw myself into the world and and trying to elevate it and change it and to sublimate its nasty tendencies. So this is Moilukha Mevi Bamaim. How do you do it through Teira? Teira is the guide with which a Jew is able to accomplish 
and stay in touch with Hashem, and at the same time, realizing that his mission is here on earth. But then the Mishnah concludes one last thing. Yes, it's true that the purpose of an Hashem is to engage in a very um, intense effort of learning Torah and engaging in Torah through Ratzoy and Shuv, which is called Ahava and Yira, love of Hashem and awe of Hashem. When you love someone, then you want to move towards that someone and get closer, and that's called Ratzoy. And Yira, which is awe, is the retreat where you realize you're in awe of Hashem, you know what Hashem wants from you, despite of what your natural desire is, and that's called Mevi, that's called Yira, Shuv. And so that's one, that's the the standard um, relationship that an Hashemah has ongoingly with Hashem. It's characterized by these two emotions, Moelech Mevi Bamaim. But then the Mishnah tells us there are moments in a person's life which are extraordinary. They're not standard. And that is Avarleagal. Now, Avarleagal can also mean that the wave of water overwhelms the neshama, the needle, which is the neshama. That means that Torah becomes, uh, um, completely envelops the person. The person immerses himself in a world of, 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 um, of serenity and holiness of Torah. And that makes Torah, makes the neshama pure. But the deeper meaning of that is, Gal is a wave. And we see in Tanakh, in the story of Yaina, when he went to Nineveh, Kol Mishbarecha Vegalecha, David Melech also echoes the same, exact same language uh, when he wants to describe the challenges, the treacherous challenges of life, the trials and tribulations that uh, David Melech felt and Yena, they describe it as waves, treacherous waves that threaten to overwhelm him. So in a spiritual sense, it means the challenges of our lives, the trials that we face. Sometimes these trials are very difficult and very challenging. And this is what the mission is telling us, that when they face an extreme test, which happens occasionally, a person faces a test. It is not the ordinary, everyday experience of an neshama, which is Moelech HaMeve Bamaim. That's an, an everyday uh, experience where the neshama engages. On the one hand, it davens and wants to transcend and get closer to God, and then it, it learns Torah and does mitzvahs and tries to connect with the world again. But then there are moments when there's something, when a person is, is seriously challenged by certain circumstances that make the person really struggle as to how to proceed and what to choose. But we know what to choose, but it's difficult. And that's called a gal. Gal is this wave that rises up and is threatening to, um, to swallow us. And if a Jew is able to stand strong and not to be afraid and pass a test, that's Tahira. That leads an Ashama to a higher level of purification. And that is the end of the Mishnah. And here's the Mishnah giving us a summary of what life's purpose is. All about a needle inside a cave 
on a step and how water is being moved back and forth to create a wave and then Tohira, the Neshama goes back to being pure but even more pure than it ever was before it came down.